Hello and welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks, they're coming off the loss to the Steelers. They fall to two and four. And coming up next on the schedule, a team coming off their bye week, the New Orleans Saints. They're three and two. And these two teams going to be facing off on Monday night football. Here, joining me to talk about is Terrence Copper of Believe in Saints. His NFL career spanned from 2004 to 2012. He spent time as a wide receiver with the Cowboys, the Saints, Ravens, and Chiefs. And he's joining us today to help preview this Monday night football matchup with the Saints. Terrence, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you making time for it. Before we get into the game, though, I, I want to go back to the Steelers game because okay. I, as a former receiver, I kind of want to get your mindset into a particular play at the end of the game between the Seahawks and Steelers. DK Metcalf gets the ball. There's about 15 seconds left. And rather than getting out of bounds, he's fighting for the extra yards. Unfortunately, he gets the ball knocked out and it and it nearly ends the game. Mm-hmm. When you saw that, does part of you identify with what DK was trying to do there, fight for the extra yards, maybe you know, do something, end the game right there? Or did you have a different reaction? Uh, I had a different reaction. Uh, when it comes to something like that, with that amount of time left, you fighting for any extra yards you're going to get, those two or three extra yards, it's not more important than the time on the clock. So he needs to get out of bounds. He needs to get that clock stopped because at that point in time, you know, you fighting for extra yards, like I said, it doesn't matter. You know, if the time run out, those extra yards you're fighting for, you know, is, is vain. You know, so uh, he has to get out of bounds. There's there's no if ands, or buts about it. He has to get out of bounds. Now, is that the mindset of the the veteran receiver mindset of Terrence? Or is that also the mindset of of young Terrence, who was, you know, really trying to make it early on in his career? No, that is the mindset of young Terrence. That's the mindset of Terrence in college. But that's what we was always taught. Yeah. You know, regardless if if uh, DK admits that or not, we're all as receivers, we're always taught that when it comes to situational football. You know, I mean, that's something that you just know. And you always taught in college, high school, pros. You know, you got to get out of bounds. You got to stop the clock. Uh, there's no need to keep fighting for those extra yards with that amount of time left on the clock. I feel like we've had a couple of these moments now. We had DK last year kind of taking his time into the end zone, gets the ball knocked out. You have the moment here. Do you just chalk that up as these types of things happen? Or are are you concerned in some way about his particular mindset? I'm really not sure. Of course, you're going to have to chalk it up because, I mean, that's that seems like that's kind of his. I'm not going to say his M.O. I'm not going to put that on him. says his M.O. But there are certain things that you just have to understand uh, when you get in these situations. And it, and it may not be, I, I would hate to say the coaching staff is not coaching them up on it. I'm quite sure they are. But it just has to resonate with him when these situations come up. So coming up, Monday night football in Seattle, Terrence. And this is kind of fun. Your first NFL receiving touchdown came on Monday night football in Seattle. Do you, do you have that vivid memory still? I actually do. I, I remember, of course, Monday night, Benny Testaverde is the is the quarterback. Uh, I ran a little red route through the middle of the defense in the back of the end zone. and But I wasn't open when I ran it. So he started pointing me in the direction he wanted me to go. So I took off there and he let it go. Uh, and the crazy thing about that is, even though that was my first touchdown scoring, but I was the, the 50th different person Benny, Benny Testaverde threw a touchdown pass to. So that was kind of cool, too. 
Well, we have some bad memories of Vinny in Seattle, and I, I we, we don't need to get into it, but uh, it, it goes all the way back to him scoring a phantom touchdown and keep and knocking the Seahawks out of the playoffs. Uh, it's oh, uh, it's old history, so. <laughs> Uh, well, that, it, it is kind of fun. So now the, the the other thing is is that in your career you've you've played in Seattle, which is notorious for having you know a pretty ruckus crowd. You played mm-hmm. in Kansas City, and mm-hmm. there's kind of a, a rivalry there with the Chiefs and the Seahawks and the noise. And, but then you also mm-hmm. played in the Superdome in New Orleans. So I, I'm curious, how do you rank out some of these these crowds and uh, in your career? Oh, that's a tough question. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to go. Oh, I hate to do this. <laughs> I hate you, but Seattle is loud. I think Seattle, and then I'm gonna say Kansas City are close. Matter of fact, I'm gonna put Seattle and Kansas City a one A and one B. All right. And then New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans. The thing about New Orleans fans, it's loud in the Superdome, but it's so much passion. It's so much passion in the Superdome. Uh, it's hard to explain. You just gotta be there. You just you just have to be there. But definitely the loudest, the two loudest stadiums I've ever been to was Kansas City and Seattle. And then New Orleans, you know, it gets loud in New Orleans as well. But it's the, the vibe of New Orleans is just totally different. It's a lot of passion in the atmosphere. And it's, it's, a, it's a good time to play in that dome. All right. Well, I like that, the C- that Seattle's 1A, Kansas City's 1B, just so we have that clear. <laughs> <laughs> but now the Saints, they're 3-2. and two, They're coming off their bye week. Uh, what's been your assessment of the team to this point in the season? I think defensively, that is how they're going to win their games this year. Uh, they're going to have that. They're going to have to run the ball. They're not a team that's going to just spread you out and just throw the ball forty and fifty times a game. That is not a recipe for success for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they're going to they're going to lay their hat on the defense. Defense has been coming through a ton this year, offensively. They're a team that has to get the run game going. Uh, they can't really can't put Winston in a situation where he has, like I said earlier, he has to throw the ball 40 times a game. That is when mistakes start to creep in. So I think limiting how he's how he's running the game when it comes to his passes, doing a lot more of play action game, not necessarily just drop back throwing the ball 40 times a game. I think that's going to spell disaster for them. But really, just hanging their hat on their defense and then getting Kamara in the game, getting him going. Yeah, so what it sounds like then is we are due for some smash mouth old school football between the Seahawks and the the Saints because I, I don't think either of these teams really want to rely on their quarterback then, you know, especially with Russell Wilson being out, Geno Smith. Yeah. We saw some we saw some decent things from Geno, but again, I I don't mm-hmm. think you know throwing 30, 40 times is good for the Seahawks either. No, not at all. And and as I was looking at this preview of the game, I felt the same. I felt the same way. I feel like their game plan is going to be so similar. You got Geno there. He's a he's a good quarterback, but at the end of the day, he's not a starter. He's he's just stepping into that starter role right now. Uh, so you don't want to just throw him out there throwing a bunch of passes either. So I think both teams are really going to be. It's really going to come into this game with the same game plan. Let's run the ball. Let's get our run game going. Let's get play action going and let's place good, solid defense and good special teams. I think that is going to be the recipe for both teams. So it will come down to the Seahawks on defense. Can they stop Alvin Kamara? And traditionally, that has been a really tough task just because he's a guy who runs so tough. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not just his run ability. It's his ability to get into the passing game with the screen game, running the screens that he that he gets. 
and then also being a running back, running the ball as well. So it's definitely a, a big task to me for the Seahawks because because of the way that Coach Payton uses Camaro. The Seahawks now, too. There's a little bit of a question at how they're going to be at corner. DJ Reed, you know, he's he's started the season on the left side. He moved back over to the right. And now they have Trey Brown out of Oklahoma, who he finished really strong in that Steelers game. But he's a rookie. And you got to wonder if he's going to be tested here with 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 one of these guys in the receiving core for the Saints. You know, I think so. I think they're, one thing that, that I know about Coach Payton and the Saints, they're going to identify the weakness. And probably every coach do it, but they're because I played with Coach Payton. They're going to identify where the weak link is at, uh, whether that's your linebackers, whether it's your D line, whether it's your corners. They're going to identify it and they're going to try to exploit it. So wherever this, wherever the Seahawks are or weak at or less talented at, they're going to exploit it. They're going to try to anyway. Yeah, tell me a little bit about Coach Sean Payton because. You know, you were with him in Dallas, right? And then mm-hmm. had the opportunity yeah, to come over to the Saints when he went over to to move to take over that head coaching job. Mm-hmm. He is an amazing coach. When I say I'm talking about offensively, he is an offensive genius. Uh, he's one of those guys that's going to always put his players in the best position to be successful. Uh, when it comes to game plan, when it comes to his quarterbacks, uh, he always the game plan always around what Drew Brees did well, you know, and he's doing the exact same thing with Winston. He's putting Winston in situations where things that he does well when it comes to the play action game and throwing the ball down the field. Winston throws a great, a great deep ball. So he's putting him in those type of situations and keeping him out of certain situations. That is uh, the things that Coach Payton does. He finds out what his team is good at, and that's what he does. He does what we're good at, and and he tried to exploit what the other defenses, what they may have, may have problems in covering or or stopping. Well, Terrence, you are leading me right into one of my biggest concerns for this game, and that's what I want to talk with you about coming up next. Former Saints wide receiver Terrence Copper of Believe in Saints joining the show this week. And before the break, we were talking about head coach Sean Payton and how he could approach the Seahawks defense, which still ranks number 32 in yards allowed per game. So it's a concern to me, considering the offensive-minded coach that Sean Payton is versus a defense with Seattle that has really struggled this year. And and yeah, you have stars, Bobby Wagner, you got Jamal Adams, but for whatever reason, they haven't been able to, to put it all together. It feels like they're able to put it together on defense for a quarter here or a half here. But then there's always a time where they just they give up two touchdowns in a quarter. And that's what leads to ultimately what leads them to lose. Yep. And, you know, one one thing that I think that is going to be the success uh, if Seattle pulls this game out, it's going to be they got to stop the run. They have to stop the run. That right there will. That will limit New Orleans offense when it comes to a lot of the things that they want to do that will put them in situations or, or put them in situations where they don't want to be in. And that's again having Winston open up, throwing the ball more than more than they would like, and but because they can't run the ball, you know. So I think the first thing, if Seattle wants to be successful in this game, they have to stop the run. They have to commit to stop the run and make New Orleans one dimensional. But if they can't do that, it's going to be a long night. So they have to stop the run, but they also have to be successful running the football themselves because exactly uh, you know of what we talked about earlier. And I I'm curious. 
with the Saints so far this season, has that defense and that defensive line, have they been able to do that successfully so far? They have been. They, I mean, there's some games where uh, teams have marched down the field on, on New Orleans. And, but, our de- but the defense was more of a bend but don't break. You know, and that's and that's what they've been they've been hanging their hats on. They get they get turnovers, and what they're going to do, they're going to put Lattimore on, on the best receiver out there, which probably is going to be DK. When they go man to man, Lattimore is going to follow DK, and he's going to he's going to make it a tough time for him uh, when it comes to receiving the ball. So I think definitely Seattle has to run the ball. They got it exact. We talked about it earlier. They got the same game plan that the Saints have going into this game. Right. They got to be able to run the ball. Well, and you answered one of my other questions, too, is that who is Lattimore going to cover? Because, yes, DK is the star. He's the big receiver. But you got Tyler Lockett, too. And I, I feel like anytime he goes overlooked, those are the times where he has some of those breakout games. Now, a lot of that is due more, I think, to the chemistry between Russell and Tyler. But, mm-hmm. you know, if if Geno can develop some of that, too, I, I think there's that potential there for a big game for Tyler. Oh, it definitely, definitely will be. Um it's going to be openings there, but like I said, you have Lattimore. Lattimore, to me, is one of the better corners in the league uh, at this point in his career. And like I said, you don't really know which one they're going to put him on. I'm thinking it's going to be DK because of his just physical ability. And he can dominate a game right by himself if he, if he gets going. So uh, they definitely want to limit the amount of times he get catches. But like you say, you still have Lockett over there. So it's going to be it's going to be tough to see what to see what the Saints do to try to control both of those guys. How has the pass rush been for the Saints so far? It's been there certain certain games and certain games it it, it hasn't, but they have been consistent. I can say that defensively as a whole, they have been very consistent. Their D line can get after the quarterback. Uh, so, it, but it's all up to me. It's all about matchups. It's all about matchups. It's all about what are the, the Seahawks going to do to give Geno more protection. Are they going to max protect? When I say max protect, are they going to leave everybody in and help block up this D-line or the linebackers that may be blitzing and just maybe send two guys out on routes? Or how are they going to – are they going to have uh, their running backs chipping the D-ends that's coming off coming off the line? It, it all depends on the game plan that Seattle has for them. Because if they have a good game plan, they can kind of slow down that rush. I felt like that made more sense against a really strong defensive line like Pittsburgh. And we saw moments where they had that – that max protect you know, package in. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think it, uh, I, I, I just wonder if they have to be as concerned about that now with New Orleans. We're going to see, like I said, your, your guess is just as good as mine. <laughs> I, I want to see what New Orleans teams come out. What team come out of the locker room? You know, and that's going to, that's going to determine it. And they can, and Seattle and New Orleans can go into the game with a certain game plan. This is what we want to do. This is what we want to exploit. But until that game starts, you really don't know the type of adjustments that's going to have to get made and when they're going to have to get made. Because, of course, you don't want to really make adjustment until maybe halftime. We go in there, coaches get together, see what we're doing well, see what things we need, we're struggling in, and we make those adjustments. But sometimes those adjustments have to get made, have to get made on the fly before halftime. And then that's, what's, that, that's what it's going to come down to, who can make the adjustments and make them the quickest if need be. Yeah, it's you know it's fascinating to hear you talk about this team because I, I I just I recognize so much in the the things that I've been talking about so far this season, especially mm-hmm. with Russ out. Now, if Russ was in, then I think I would have different expectations going into this game. Obviously, with him out, my expectations for Seattle is you know changed completely. I I just don't have that expectation and stress that comes along with game day. Obviously, I I root for the Seahawks. I want them to win. 
but mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you just don't know, you know, you don't know which team is going to come out, you know, and with one thing that I can say when, when New Orleans, when they played Washington, Washington football team, um, they won, they won the game, but they won the game. Everybody was making plays. Everybody made plays. The defense, they came up with big stops when they needed it. Uh, offensively, they came up with big plays when they needed it. And special team-wise, they came up with big plays when they needed it. Special team-wise, I, th- I think that is going to be the turning point for both these teams. Who wins the special teams battle? And if it wasn't, in, and I feel like if it wasn't for the special teams of the Saints when they played Washington, it could have been a different. It could have went another another way because they had three special team punts inside the three yard line, you know, late in that game, and during that game, during the second half of that game, and and making Washington go the long route to get there. People don't understand how important special teams is when it comes to flipping the field and having a team backed up inside the five yard line trying to go. 93 yards for a touchdown and this was during the second half of the game so and that game was a good game it was a very close game but guys made plays when they had to was it a perfect game by the defense of the saints no it wasn't but when plays need to be made they made them and so i feel like special teams is going to be a real part of this game because both offenses i feel like offense and defense they so similarly you just don't really know which guy's going to come out or, and they both going to have the same game plan. So I feel like special teams can really set both of these teams apart. Well, see, now I'm pessimistic, Terrence, because the, the Seahawks, they haven't been making plays when they need to make plays, and special teams has not been good these past, past few weeks. Oh. So I, <laughs> <laughs> now, now I think I've given you reasons for optimism for the Saints this week. So <laughs> we'll really appreciate you coming on, Terrence. And yes, I, I, I am looking forward to this game. I, I think there are it, it has the potential... To, to be fun. Both these teams, I think just how the NFC is shaping out, I think they they both have the potential to be playoff teams. Do you, do you have that at least expectation or, or thought with the Saints this year? Oh, definitely. I really feel like the Saints is a playoff team, but they got to stick to the script. They can't go away from what's, what's allowing to be successful now, which is the play action game, running the ball and playing solid defense. If we if we can't run the ball, it's going to be tough sledding for us. So they have to stick to what they're doing and keep Winston out of certain situations. And I feel like they're definitely a playoff team. He is former NFL wide receiver Terrence Copper. You can listen to him on Believe in Saints. You guys got a show coming up this week. What what are you going to be focusing on going into this Monday night game? You know what? I think we're really going to focus on because in fact the the Saints had a bye. You know, so we got a chance to get some guys healthy. Uh, and so we'll see how that how that goes. Who's going to be playing this week? Who's still going to be ruled out? Is Thomas going to be coming back or not? You know, so we get a real good chance to see who's going to be playing with the injuries and who's going to be coming back. Is Hill? Is he going to be able to play this game coming up? You know, so that bye week was perfect for for the Saints coming into this game. So those are the things we're going to be talking about. Believe in Saints. Check that out along with any of the shows on the Believe Podcast Network. Terrence, thanks once again for coming on. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. Thanks once again to Terrence. You know, I, I'm still a bit shaken up about that Testaverde reference. Vinny Testaverde. I, I had forgotten that he even played for the Cowboys, but I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised since he played for about a quarter of the NFL teams. So Romo must have been hurt that year, or at least for that game. And if you're a younger fan, if you're a younger fan, just search for Testaverde Phantom Touchdown, and I'm sure it'll come up. 
It was 1998. The Jets were on the five-yard line, and it was fourth down. It was fourth down, and they were on the five-yard line, and they ran a quarterback sneak with Vinny Testaverde, who, not the most athletic quarterback, but it was a quick snap. They ran it up the middle, and Cortez Kennedy, the, the Seahawks Hall of Fame defensive tackle, he, he nearly strips the ball as Testaverde comes through the line, but Tez, he still grabs him by the ankles and maybe, just maybe the tip of the quarterback's face mask crosses the goal line and the officials call it a touchdown. And ultimately it led to the Seahawks missing the playoffs by one game. And so you can go back, you can go back and point to that one play as the reason why the Seahawks missed out on the 1998 playoffs. So there you go. Seahawks history. Uh, How about some uplifting history? Did you know one of the most memorable runs in NFL history was from Marshawn Lynch going up against the New Orleans Saints? And if that was too long ago, go and Google the Beastquake. It's kind of wild to think that that play is more than 10 years old now. So, all right, enough history. Let's look toward the present. Up at fieldgoals.com, the Seahawks, they got another quarterback. They claimed Jacob Eason, who was let go by the Colts. So the Seahawks picked him up off of waivers. They add another quarterback to the group. So we'll see how that works out. And they still have Luton on the practice squad. He has not yet been released. We'll see what happens there. That's going to do it for the show. We are going to still be previewing this upcoming game against the Saints. And we're going to be doing it three in, three out, what if style. So look forward to that. I'll be back with Clinton Bonner and Phil Lydic. And so until then, go Hawks.